Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to have some fun this week. We're going to make our own CBJ all-time all-star team. We're going to recap our favorite John Tortorella moments. And as always, we're going to talk about some goalies. I am Ryan Rial. Joining us for this episode, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, Ryan. And we've got Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Glad to talk to both of you tonight. Elaine Shercliffe was supposed to be on this episode, but uh, she had some technical difficulties and could not join us. But we are thinking of her. We will miss her laugh, and we uh, will have her all-star team as well. She's going to send that to us. Hi, Elaine. We miss you. Yes, very much. Let's just get this one right off the bat because there ha- there was some breaking news today. We can talk about this real quick. Will, I'm sorry. We're going to pour one out for Nikita Guzef, who will be joining a Metropolitan Division team, just not the one that you wanted. Yeah, well, at least now either I will be right and he will torture Columbus and everybody else, or I'll be wrong and he won't do anything and it'll work out. Right. That's the way to look at life. It's just either it works out or it doesn't. I think I'm a little more frustrated about this trade than Will is, to be totally honest with you guys. Um, Because it was within the realm of possibility after everything came out? We gave up more for Ryan Dezingle. Like, that's... like. My my entire takeaway from this this trade deadline is Garmo was comfortable letting all the free agents walk at the end of the year because he still believed this team was good enough to win. This is the kind of trade, especially if the price is a second and a third and not the same draft that, you know, you probably should make it at least like take a chance on a guy who could be, you know, not the next Panarin, but maybe like, I don't know. Bjorkstrand level, right? Like, I'd give up a second and a third for another Bjorkstrand on this roster. I just, you know, if you, if you think the roster is that close, why are we not looking at making a trade like this? I know we gave up a lot of draft picks um, uh, to get Dezingle and uh, Duchesne and those guys in here at the dra- at the deadline, but, like, man, this is it, it just really bums me out that he's going to a division contender or a division rival and... Um, just make has the potential to make them better, whereas like Columbus hasn't done anything of note in the last three weeks, other than you know sign their own RFAs and Gustav Nyquist. Like it's just frustrating to watch someone go to the division for that cheap. I, w- I wish Columbus 
maybe could have been in on this a little more, but you know, so it goes. When I did my trade proposal centering around Gusev, um, I was talking with Ryan Quigley of Knights on Ice, and he kind of speculated from the beginning that it might take a second and a third round pick to make the trade happen. And of course, that's what ended up being the case. And I do think Columbus, I'm sure they checked in on it. We haven't heard anything official, but I mean, I don't know how anybody couldn't have at least kicked the tires on a potential trade for Gusev. But whether, I mean, I, I do think whether or not this happens to be the case, I would not be surprised if management was kind of scared from a potential almost another Panarin 2.0 as far as, you know, Gusev wanting to leave in a couple of years, or maybe they just didn't think that the capital it would take to acquire him was going to work out for them, for Columbus personally. I don't know. But yeah, I don't even care about the fact that he could leave in two years. I thought, I mean, it's assuming that he plays to the potential of what it sounds like he could be, I think Gusev almost be a steal, even if it was just for two years. But we will see how he does how he does in New Jersey this uh, upcoming season. Yeah, several times this year against the Blue Jackets. Yeah, well, well, you mentioned taking a chance on him. I'm going to quote my buddy Jeremy on uh, Twitter today when we were discussing, you know, Yarmo maybe getting burned by the Panarin situation. His quote was uh, directly: "Scared money don't make money." So, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and and kind of just kind of jumping on that real fast. I mean. Really, when it comes to trades, especially, Yarmo has not been afraid to pull the trigger. So I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. Honestly, I mean, you, you can't really go far without kind of being ballsy. But, you know, again, um, I don't know. if I also wonder, too, if how much of an impact John Davidson had in the past on trades like that. But I, I do think Yarmo probably was the main, probably the main person behind them. But I don't know. Well, speaking of, of players who were either traded or signed today, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but Tampa Bay goalie Andre Vasilevsky, this is tangentially related to the Blue Jackets, signed a new contract today, eight years, $76 million. That is an, uh, about nine and a half years after this next upcoming year that was a previous year left on his deal. Uh, Seeds, you were not a fan of this deal. Yeah, no, I hate paying goaltenders <laughs> that much at all. Um because goaltending in the playoffs is voodoo. Um, and I, 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 I had a discussion about this with a buddy of mine earlier today. Um, I don't even think Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the league. I think that's John Gibson. But Vasilevsky's going to – he's 25, so the term is better, than, or at least the age is covered is better than the Sergei Bobrovsky contract, which I think is going to be abysmal in a couple years. Mm-hmm. But I think – I just don't like paying a goaltender that much money for that much time when you know you never know how injuries can hurt, how guys can just fall off a cliff. I mean, Jonathan Quick's fallen off. We've seen Carey Price fall off. We've, you, I mean, it's only a matter of time before Sergei Bobrovsky falls off once he gets past thirty here. I, I just don't like. And and now the Tampa Bay Lightning have tied up what? Uh, They've tied up uh, about about eleven percent of their uh, salary cap in one goaltender. Uh, I just don't like it. Um, I mean, yeah, he was he's good. He won the Vesna Trophy, but Columbus absolutely obliterated him in that first round series, exposing that high glove side, which is where Columbus scored the majority of their goals in that series. And Vasilevsky, who has publicly complained that he has been tired late in seasons before was unable to adjust to anything Columbus was doing in that series. I just, 
I don't like paying a goaltender that much at all, ever. I think money can be spent better on goal scorers or defensemen. And, yeah, Vasilevsky's good, good to very good, but I just, I don't, I would never pay a goaltender more than six and a half, seven million dollars a year were I a GM. It's just too replaceable. It's probably not the best deal, at least as years go by, but the fact that he is 25 at least alleviates, I guess, that concern, at least from like an injury perspective. And the Lightning are obviously cup or bust. I mean, they were that last year, and really they're in the same spot. So uh, for the foreseeable future, the Lightning are in a good spot, but they do need to figure out their cap because they're still going to have to try to figure out a deal for Braden Point. They're RFA center. And it looks like they're about five and a half million, maybe slightly over as far as cap space, um, what they have left to spend. So, um, yeah, they're still going to have to figure out something, I think, as far as uh, re-signing Braden Point. But, yeah, I mean, if if Vasilevsky was like 30, yeah, I mean, of course, that's an obvious no. But the fact, I mean, again, he is only 25 and I get what Seeds is saying and I'm pretty much in the same boat as far as uh, overpaying for goalies. But... I think the fact that he is only 25, if you get at least five or six years out of him, I mean, it, and, and if they win the cup too, um, I think it won't be so bad. I don't think history will look down on it too bad, but assuming he doesn't get hurt or anything like that, he should be fine as long as they can keep a good team in front of him for the next, I don't know, two to three, five years. But yeah, I, I am kind of curious to see how they work out Braden Point's contract though. Right. I don't I don't think I don't think Vasilevsky's, you know, going to doom them in net. I think he's a really, really good goaltender. I just I personally, where I building a roster, have seen too many. You know, we've who, who are the guys who've won cups recently? You know, Matt Murray won a few. Uh, Brayden Holpe won one. He was on it. He wasn't making 10 million a year. The guys who have been paid a lot like Carey Price aren't um, the guys who are making a ton of money are not winning Stanley Cups. I just. You know, Tuka Rask isn't making a ton of money, and he went to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. Jordan Bennington was in the AHL until, like, Christmas. It's Goaltending is voodoo from year to year, and I, I just am very hesitant to invest heavily in a position that change it, that is so volatile. Vasilevsky, 925 save percentage last year, 2.4 goals against average. In the regular season, in the playoffs, 3.82 goals against average against a team that swept the Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Seeds, you mentioned if you were building a team. Well, you had the chance to build your own all-time Columbus Blue Jackets team last week with a post from Pale Dragon where he, you've probably seen this kind of thing on social media where each player is assigned a dollar value, one through six. You have a certain amount of money, in this case, $21 to construct your all-time all-star team for the Blue Jackets, five skaters and a goalie. It's a fun exercise. I want to hear your guys' team. Will, let's start with you. Yeah, so um, I so my basically my team ended up being Bobrovsky in goal for the six dollar amount, uh, and each player, of course, was you know categorized by money and position. So um, my starting five was basically Bobrovsky in net for six dollars. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois was my center at five dollars. At four dollars and left wing was Jeff Sanderson. Uh, for three dollars, I went Josh Anderson at right wing. For two dollars, my left-handed left-handed defenseman was Jan Heda, and then I had to go with. I, it was kind of a, a tough choice, but I ended up going with John Luc Pierre, my one dollar uh, right wing uh, right defenseman. Um, and also, I have to mention frequent pod 
Ken and Cast listener, John Lou Gromp here. But uh, guys that I also really wanted to add was, uh, at least along, among those guys, Jody Shelley, a personal fan favorite, and Antoine Vermette was another guy I was kind of thinking about. But ended up going with uh, Bob, PLD, Sanderson, Anderson, Hayda, and John Lou Gromp here. Not a bad team. Yeah, I think a lot of people... I don't want to speak for seats. Saw Josh Anderson at $3, and that's yeah. a good value get. And then I stayed at Vermette for quite a while uh, with that $2 center position. Seeds, what you got? Okay, for $6, I'm taking, I took the best player to ever wear the Blue Jackets uniform. I took Artemi Panarin. I could not let him go. I took Pierre-Luc Dubois for $5, and I did take your value bet of uh, Josh Anderson for $3. So my forward line uh Panarin Dubois and Josh Anderson it's it's expensive it cost me $14 then I went with uh Ryan Murray and Fetter Tutin which left me $1 for Yunus Corposalo I'm basically counting <laughs> on my players to outscore and for Yunus Corposalo to show up this season so I basically I like I said I don't I don't I don't value goaltending all that high I wanted a playmaker and a center and that was what I valued. We've seen the PB and J line play well together in the past, uh, and I figured I figured my defensemen were passable enough that I could uh, just skate by with Jonas Corposalo, a one dollar goaltender. So yeah, I like so you had just been talking minutes ago about how you don't value goaltending and uh, you did basically what what Yarmo is doing this season, which is putting a $1 goalie in there and not reaching the cap and hoping it works out. I like that you built your team the same way you just talked about building an actual team. I am nothing if not consistent. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because my my very first pick was actually Artemi Panarin, but then I thought, wait, it's hard to go against a game-breaking winger like Panarin, but Bob is the best goalie in Blue Jackets history. And I'm not even, you know, let's, I mean, obviously in this case, we don't have to worry about paying a guy for the future as opposed to just like right now. But um, yeah, it's, that's true. I was, I was, it was hard to pass up a guy like Panarin, but that's why I was like, well, I have to go Bob. But kind of making up for left wing, uh, you know, Sanderson, he was always such a a really good blue jacket and I don't know that I would say people forget about him but I think it's easy to overlook a guy like Sanderson or you know some point. of the older guys from the first decade so oh buddy I had I had NHL like 2003 I will never overlook Jeff oh, absolutely ever in yeah, my for life sure. for sure <laughs> but yeah like Will you uh built your team from the crease out the old blue jackets yeah. way of doing it yep um, which is which is good I um uh, I went Panarin I went Panarin, the $6 left wing. And, I, and then I was like, all right, Panarin, what can I get at goal? I, I, was, I wanted a game breaker on offense, and then I wanted a good goaltender. Without breaking the bank. So, And keep in mind, this is, according to PD's rules, peak form. This is the best they've ever been in this hypothetical. So I'm taking my man, Steve Mason. We want Mason. I want Mason. $4 in goal. And then going out in front of Mason, you got Marks Nudavara at $3, Jan Haida at $2. Will, I like that Haida pick. It's a good value add. He was just so solid. And then um, playing on a line with Panarin, Josh Anderson on the right. Everybody goes Anderson because it's such a good value. And in the middle, I went Brandon Dubinsky. And that's more of a, uh, a pick from the heart because, you know, putting Dubinsky next to Panarin is, you know, I don't even have to say it. I, I, I love Dubinsky, but... But that line has some grit. That line has some fight to protect Panarin in this hypothetical. Nobody's going to mess with Artemi Panarin if you've got Josh Anderson and Brandon Dubinsky on your line. That's my thinking. So Panarin, Dubinsky, Anderson, Nudavara, Heda, 
Mason. I'm really sad this is an audio medium because you could not see my reaction when uh, you picked Steve Mason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really sad this is an audio medium because I about had a coronary over here. <laughs> look, look, the heart is not the same thing as the as the head. Okay? That's, that's my team. I, oh. I, I respect it, Ryan. I, I really respect it. We also have to add Elaine's list because yes. she couldn't be on here with us. But um, I'll just go ahead and quickly add that she ended up going with her forwards were Shelley Dubois, Jared Bowl, and she likes to uh, she likes to. I guess she wants players to be able to you know make it tough on the other team, but uh, mess stuff up. Then, <laughs> to paraphrase, yeah, her. and then uh, yeah, and then on defense, she went with Mark Mathai, David Savard, and. The goaltender is Steve Mason, but only the mono form of Mason. And yeah. So anyway, her team would definitely be a bruiser. No hashtag Mace face in my house was how she put that. Other iterations. <laughs> yeah. of I have a I have a question um, because I was I, I must confess, I was out of town for a wedding when this post went up. Um, did either Same. of you guys give any consideration at all to Jack Johnson? Because I sure no, no. did not. No, no. No. Not not because of the Pittsburgh thing. I just don't know. No. Well, I think, and I love, you know, I love this format. And we talked about this. We kind of went back and forth over email about kind of dollar assignments and, and how many players should be on the, on the team and who should be represented. And Jack Johnson at five, I think, was probably a controversial pick in the comments. But, uh, you know, this is peak form. So peak Jack Johnson is, yeah. I mean, better than peak. So, so only like a, a minus 20 or? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Right, right, right. I think if there were some dollar tweaks, Jack Johnson would probably get moved around. But in the other part of this this discussion that I wanted to get into is when you when you list all this out, God, it was hard to pick a center because it's like, man, there's not a ton. If you look at the franchise history, you know the the knock on the jackets has always been centers, and you look at it and you're like, yep. Ugh, yeah, that's kind of rough, man. It's part of why I wanted. It's part of why I wanted him to overpay to keep Matt Duchesne. Now, obviously, that wasn't possible because he was apparently his family's always had their hearts set on Nashville. But man, if we could have kept Duchesne, we you know uh, the one-two yeah. lineup of PLD and Duchy in the middle would have been by far the best center lineup this franchise has ever been able to trot out there. Also, of note, uh, Alexander Winberg is not on this list. Not represented. Um, no. Uh, not represented whatsoever. It just, yeah, this, the center position throughout this franchise has been our biggest Achilles, uh, b- biggest Achilles heel. And that's, if you look at now, now, you know, I've gone back and, you know, point out, you know, these are the goalies that have won Stanley Cups. But if you look at the uh, rosters that have won Stanley Cups, you know, Ryan O'Reilly won the Conn Smythe for St. Louis. Uh, last year you had Backstrom and Kuznetsov. The year before that, two years before that, you had uh, Malkin and Crosby back to back. Like, Center positions what when what helps win Stanley Cups and that's where Columbus falls up short or comes up short in pretty much every metric. So, gotta find. We, uh, hopefully, Liam Foodie p- pans out this year or in the next couple years. Talking about just a guy that was not on the list that I was looking for was Ray Whitney also, but I guess we could get everybody. Ray Whitney won a won a cup with uh, Carolina. Yeah, true. He won a cup too. So. It was a nice exercise because I don't think of, you know, James Wisniewski or Antoine Vermette that often. Yeah. I, I thought about James for a second, but I like Hayda. He's always been, he was pretty solid. I want to give a shout out to a guy I thought long and hard about on this roster, which was uh, Vinny Prospel. 
Mm. God, mm. Ble- God yeah. bless Vinny Prospel in his point at the scoreboard. Just for the point, sure. God, one of the that that. So I wrote about the We Want Mason chant, the one thousandth one thousandth game, but uh, the pro the Prospel point against the Red Wings is got to be a top five CBJ moment. It, it's iconic. Maybe top three, because the whole post I wrote was about swagger and and the the Blue Jackets having some swagger, and that's peak swagger right there. That might be the most swagger I've ever seen this franchise exhibit ever. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Also, quick note, I was doing some math uh, just now. I'm a I'm an ignoramus and had to build my team in Excel because I can't add numbers, even <laughs> up to 21. I'm a word person. Uh, Elaine's team comes out to $17, so not a cap team. She's got room. She can pick up a free agent <laughs> if she needs. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about John Tortorella in just a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We are back with more Canon cast. And Rachel, one of the new additions to the site, wrote a great article about favorite post-game torts moments. John Tortorella is obviously a very colorful character. He loves getting into it with the media and sometimes opposing coaches and players. She did a very nice rundown of, you know, some of her favorite moments that the torts has been involved in after games. I have a couple. I'll, I'll, I'll wait to go. But do you have any favorite John Tortorella moments, post game or in game or hell even pre game? Um. Well, actually, I guess my favorite, or I guess probably the most well known, uh, blow up is his one with Larry Brooks back in his Ranger days. Uh, and he kind of put Larry Brooks in his place, right or wrong. But uh, that was that was just like a YouTube, you know, highlight. I think actually, when I thought about it just now, um. It was that game against the Capitals. I think it was the day of the trade deadline two seasons ago now when, um, I mean, I guess it doesn't really count technically, but as far as just torts being animated, when he was giving Alex Ovechkin kind of the business at the end of like, I think, I think it was the first period, but from just a media, from a media or uh, from like a, you know, from one of those interactions, definitely the Larry Brooks when he was with the Rangers and um yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of his Blue Jacket ones. Well, I mean, I, I watched pretty much every press conference, and I I guess not one, at least right now. Oh, actually, you know what? Probably any of the two or three when they played, like, the Oilers or Flames or whoever, the Bruins, and they got just absolutely destroyed, and it was like a 10-second presser because, I mean, he didn't have to say anything. You knew the tension was as thick as it could be, so... I'd have to really probably boil it down to a, I'd have to go back and maybe consider some, but just from the top of my head, it's some of those moments where it's just like, you know, you don't even want to bother asking him a question. Will mentioned my favorite moment already. Um, uh, Torts's, Torts's, you know, post-game pressers are great. You know, you can always tell he, he wears his heart on his sleeve much as I do. If you, you if anyone listening has ever read any of my recaps <laughs> during the season, <laughs> You can tell exactly what I thought of a game as you read the recap. It's either I really love the game or I was really depressed or I had a couple shots of Jameson during the course of the game. <laughs> but 
I was in the arena when John Tortorella was giving it to Alex Ovechkin on the trade deadline uh, in 2018. And that ruled. So that is my favorite John Tortorella moment. Just because not only did Torts was not only was Torts sticking up for his team at, to this guy who it turned out would go on to beat him, but whatever. The guy with uh, Ovi skated by the bench and was talking trash. And Torts not only stuck up for his team, but his team responded and went out and beat the Capitals that night. Mark Letestu scored a goal and the arena went berserk. It was incredible. Uh, that's by far my favorite John Tortorella moment in. Uh, his time here in Columbus. Will, you mentioned how he sometimes exits press conferences very quickly. For whatever reason, opposing fans really hate that. I don't know why, but it really gets under people's skin when he doesn't answer questions. And for me personally, it's like, who cares? But there's 82 games this season. We'll catch the next one. Have you guys watched a Bill Belichick press conference ever? (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. Well, Belichick, I, I I I think what happens or what it boils down to is Every time, like you said, every time Torts, if it's like a 10-second presser, the, the national media, it's always a national narrative that's typically spinning something about Columbus. I don't, I mean, not every time, but when they do it, it's so it's always like that's not quite accurate or it's a negative connotation. So if it's Tortorella anything, everybody is always quick to, you know, typically go against it, whatever it might be. Yeah, I've, I've noticed how if it's a 10-second, 20-second, bother doesn't even hardly bother to show up after a horrible game. It's kind of like, well, there's really nothing for him to say. Everything that happened, we already know what he would say anyway. He's actually doing himself a favor by not taking the bait from the media because they're just trying to get him to say anything at that point. But he's at least learned, I think, by now what he shouldn't or you know shouldn't do or say. Um, and I mean, I, he even admitted after the Calgary, uh, Vancouver fiasco some years ago, he realized he's lucky to even be still coaching, I think in the NHL and kind of learning his lessons from stuff like that. So even though he's still Tortorella, he's not the guy that's, he's typically, I'd say biting his tongue on certain as in certain aspects. Well, my favorite Tortorella moments, one where he did not bite his tongue. It was November of 2015. And I'm just going to do the quote. You don't need the context. Quote, we're not going to whine here. Pittsburgh can whine. Pittsburgh whines enough for the whole league, so there's no room for any other team to whine. We just go about our business. One of my favorite quotes in Blue Jackets history. My next favorite towards moment was April of that same season, 2016. Blue Jackets, Blackhawks, tie game 4-4. There's about three minutes left, maybe close to two. Brandon Dubinsky gets ejected to giving the Blackhawks a five on three and he loses his mind. I don't know if you remember this. He slams his stick on the bench. He's screaming expletives at the officials and Torts comes over and, and like a circus trainer shoves him down the tunnel, like, like physically pushes him down the tunnel. You could also see he's trying not to laugh a little bit because I mean, he's got a, he's got a game to coach here, but it, it is such a Tortorella reaction from Dubinsky you know, and they have such a history together, you know, Tortorella bringing him up through the Rangers and both of them hotheads, both of them kind of mellowed. But just to see that like kind of paternal instinct from Tortorella to get in front of him and push him down the tunnel, which he did not go in the locker room after that. He did not go in the dressing room after that. He stayed in the tunnel and watched. I just, that's one of my favorite Tortorella moments. And it's not, it's a much more of a Brandon Dubinsky moment than Torts. But for me, uh, I just, I just love that. So 
All right, we are just about out of time. We're almost on half an hour. I don't know how that happened because this half hour has gone by very quickly. So we can go ahead and do some final thoughts. Seeds, would you like to go first? Um, sure. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, the Chicago Red Stars of the uh, National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL, for uh, stomping all over Rain FC yesterday. They're finally starting to pick up now that they've got Captain Julie Ertz back from the U.S. Women's National Team. Um, I just want to continue everyone listening to the pod to support women's soccer, support um, the NWSL, and uh, keep the momentum from the Women's World Cup going here this summer. Thanks. That's a weird anti-Megan Rapino stance there with your Seattle reign. Sorry, sorry. Julie, Julie Ertz is uh, who I aspire to be in, as a soccer player. So <laughs> <laughs> I got just giving you crap. All right, Will. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to our newest writers at the Canon, Al Polito and Rachel. Um, Rachel, I think, has at least, well, obviously she has at least one post up. We just mentioned it earlier about Torts' moments, but also Al Polito's had a few. And they've been really, you know, he's really um, been bringing the analytical edge, which is awesome. So, yeah, check them out. Check us out at CBJ Canon on Twitter, Facebook. You know, keep listening to the pod, and we'll be talking about what preseason here pretty soon it feels like yeah and we will definitely have them on the pod as well and i love el polito coming out of the gate with that cam atkinson trade article just getting everybody fired up right from jump my final thought not about hockey or sports at all i just want to congratulate lil nas x on 17 weeks atop the billboard top 100 hot 100 for old town road the longest running number one single in history i finally heard that song this week you like it? It was fine. Sure. I love him. I love I love him. I mean, Ryan, I have Taylor Swift tattooed on my back. So like <laughs> He kept her from number one. Yeah. Old Town Road kept her from number one and a lot of other people, but I just think Fair. he's a he's a he's no, a nice I, young I, man. I, he's uh everything about that I, him that I follow on Twitter seems like he's a fantastic person, so that's always great to see. I can't imagine how that would be like having being a 20-year-old and writing the most successful song in history, chart-wise. But All right. That will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela has announced the name of her new upcoming album titled 430, coming out very soon. Check it out at angelapurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of your feedback. You can tweet at us, comment, write us. From all of us at The Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old. 
like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.